Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 42 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Howard Jones of Light the Torch and formerly of Kill Switch Engage discusses his first band, and I recommend the stoner sludge band Endless Yawn. Before all that, I talked to Casey from Astronoid. Astronoid are a four-piece dream thrash band from Massachusetts. The band includes elements of black metal, post-rock, and prog metal into their sound, and the result is tremendous. Their debut album, Air, appeared on a number of best-of-the-year lists, including mine that I wrote for Metal Injection. On February 1st, the band will release their self-titled sophomore album, which is what brings Casey to the podcast. So from that album, here's some of A New Color before we begin my chat with Casey. too bad this is casey correct this is casey hello my name is daniel i don't know if that came across in the email or whatever but uh hi (laughs) how are you that's my middle name oh good how's it working out and i just got off a podcast and her name was danielle so i think this is a lot of those floating around today this is all kismet i think i think we're all gonna be best friends now i think so yeah good good how's daniel working out for you as a name as a middle name it's been great it's been phenomenal it's actually brett's middle name too so is that is that how just all things work? I guess we're all connected. Yeah, that's it. We're yeah. locked in. Beautiful. Well, this has been good. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Uh, that'll do it for oh, interview. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, of course. Um, so yes, uh, this show is far beyond metal. Um, I've been a big fan of the band for a long time, as you know, as long as the band has been on my radar. I guess so. A little bit before air, I suppose. Um, yeah, well, so this is cool. thanks for saying that. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, head on to the the interview portion now that our Daniels are out I- of the way. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> um, so the new album is a self-titled album. Why did the band decide to call it Astronoid on the second album? That kind of seems like a first album move. Yeah, it's always, <laughs> it's like inevitable that a band will do a self-titled, and it's always, it's like a changing of the guard or a first album or a, you know, a statement towards the later part of their career. But um, when the record was finished or, or throughout, like, I don't know, 60% on, we were started to think of album titles, and there's a couple that we threw out there, um, and, and some of them were good, but it was either, like, using one of the song titles already, but I kind of was talking to Brett one day, and I was like, I think this is the closest we've ever come to what we our vision was, and uh, I feel like it's a statement to where we are and where we're going. Like from here on out, I feel like this album represents what people can expect uh, going forward. And I was like, I think we should just self-title it Astronoid, um, which it, it took a little while, but I think that we all kind of landed on it. And, and the more or the further we got to completing or closer to completing the record, we thought that it was just, you know, um, 
it, it had a lot more weight than you know trying to come up with a album title that summed up the record in a way and maybe we felt like we couldn't and you know making the statement that hey this is asteroid self-titled asteroid um was a statement that people would understand and that we felt comfortable representing the record and you said, that makes sense uh yes it does uh touching on that a little bit you mentioned that the uh album is everything the band set out to be what was missing from air that's uh on this album now i guess I think we just executed the vision better. You know, I think that anything you do will be a reaction from what you've just done. So that aside, I feel like, you know, Brett was talking about it the other day, you know, when he sat, sat down for the first batch of writing, there was some pressure, you know, from air because air was to our surprise, very well received. And, you know, we wanted it to be heavier and faster and darker and blah, blah, blah. None of the songs were working. And it just didn't feel right, you know? And then once that kind of settled down and the song started coming out, it's it felt like right where you needed to be, you know? Um, and it's, it's hard to say. I mean, have you heard the record in its completion? I have. And I was going to ask, like, it does seem like there's less blasting and tremolo picking, but it's definitely still there. And like, so there was a conscious decision to sort of uh, diversify. Well, there's no blast beats on the record, which I think that I don't know when you're going to release that. That's definitely going to be a surprise to some people. But um, it 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 was kind of like a soft rule going in because where the blast beats and the no screaming kind of set us apart in the beginning. It's not necessarily what we wanted to be our wheelhouse because it's I don't I mean we we were really focused on stripping everything down and does this add to the song and if it doesn't it doesn't stay. And we had a joke of we just kept cutting things from songs to make them more succinct and more um, serve the song better, you know, kind of a less is more approach, which is funny. If you listen to the record, it is still, you know, what I would say, our textbook lushness and it's full, it's melodic. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know what's missing from air, but um, I feel like having gone out and just played the record at nauseum for two years straight, this felt like by the time we were, you know, recording the record, we just all felt like, oh, yes, this is where we should be. At least I, I guess you should just speak for myself, but that's where I, that's what I felt. Uh, I went on setlist.fm and I'm a weirdo that spends way too much time on that website. Like, <laughs> I go several times a day and look at shows I've never gone to, will never go to, but I, I just poked in your guys' name recently and I saw that there have been sets recently where you've been playing Stargazer, the EP in its entirety. Uh, why is yes. that? Um, that's funny that you mentioned that. I do that to shows that I can't go to. Like, I know I'll miss some. But if I'm going to a show, I will never look up the set list. Um, but always, in retrospect, I want to see. Uh, Stargazer, we did on the Zeal and Arter tour. And we knew it was going to be the last tour we were going to do, not only that year, but basically on the air record cycle. So it was, like, kind of the closing. Um, we felt that it was a good bill, and we didn't really know... Uh, what to expect attendance wise, not like the amount of people that would come, but we didn't know, you know, who were going to come to see us. And I think that we felt like not only do we want to change it up for ourselves and we knew that we should probably incorporate some more of those earlier elements into the set list being that Zealand Arter is more in that wheelhouse. So we felt a, that was a good way to go. Um, and also just to, you know, 
our last our last hurrah on the cycle and we decided that you know if we were ever going to do this material that then was going to be the time because going forward you know our uh, focuses will be set on the new record and you know whatever songs we choose to play from air uh and we threw around the idea for a little bit and at first i think we were just going to do maybe just stargazer maybe light speed and then brett was like well let's just do the whole thing you know front to back um and load it right at the uh beginning of the set list and, and see how it it goes and it was uh it was cool for some people that have seen us a lot of times i think it was cool for them to see something new and uh for people that had never seen us it definitely quickly educated them on where we used to be so but we, it was funny because for the people that like the band that didn't know stargazer uh you know we'd start and we wouldn't stop there was no break until the entire ep was over and then we'd go into incandescent which is our first uh the first song on air and sometimes we could feel the crowd like dramatically shift you know which is always it's funny to see uh that tour came through uh the bay area and i'm in the greater sacramento area so it's kind of a mm -hmm. off over there but uh the date that was in san francisco and she'll never hear this was on my wife's birthday and it broke my heart that i couldn't go so maybe next round oh man yeah. <laughs> that was at uh that was at bottom of the hill it was and i like bottom of the hill a lot that would have been a fun show yeah that was uh a venue that i, I always wanted to play they all they used to do live dvds from old punk bands that i used to love as a kid and i remember we played at the park side down the street uh maybe a year before that and i walked to the bottom of the hill i just wanted to go check it out it wasn't open so i wasn't sure if it was open or not and then i saw the routing and i was like oh great so that's a nice little venue i got to tick off the list there but um yeah man i'm sure we'll be in the bay area several times this coming year and the year after that so we'd love to have you out yes good good uh i love the bay area for the record oh it's a wonderful place i was there i was in berkeley last night at a show and uh that's where i saw you guys last year with tesseract and the and name pliny. yes pliny the, the artist yeah. whose name i can never pronounce <laughs> yeah pliny yeah pliny. uh that was that was such a good show for that tour and it was like a serious turning point because we walked into that theater at the uh is it the berkeley uh it has performance a, center it has a bunch of names i've heard the uc theater it's named after some yeah, people yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's that place that's where yeah. it was too and we walked in and we were like wow this place is gigantic and the green rooms are all kind of separate and um after soundtrack we were all just hanging out we walked on stage and there was like almost a thousand people there and we were like holy shit and i think uh both Pliny and tesseract were very pleased with the uh the outcome of that show because you never know you know i mean there's certain sure shots around the country you know the ones you always hear like la chicago new york boston um but up into the bay area which i love you just you never know so i think it was probably regarded as one of the better shows on the tour so i'm glad you got to see that one I was, uh, that was the day after I got back from my honeymoon, I went to Europe and I had the worst jet lag. So I saw you guys and I think I went and I took a very short nap and then yeah. came back and it was, it was one of being kind of a blur. So good times though. <laughs> hey, well, thanks for braving the jet lag. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, forgive me if this is very, uh, Jim Carrey film number 23, but the new album and the band's name, you know, it's, it's same thing, but it's nine letters. Yes. They're the, all the letters are punctuated by nine dots in the cover, and then there are nine tracks on the album as well as on air. What's your deal with the number nine? Astute observation, my friend. And uh, I thought that was going to be a detail that was going to go missing. 
I was uh, sitting in the room across from the room I'm currently sitting in, and Brett and I were looking at album art that we were all having an incredibly difficult time deciding on and agreeing on. And I had this wild idea to because we wanted simple, simple, simple. So we were trying to get even more simple than mock-ups we were being sent. And I was like, we got this idea of having, I knew there was nine songs and there was nine, nine letters in the band name. And I was like, well, what if we had different circles and each circle pertained to not only a different song, but all the letters were broken up uh, as well. Nine itself is, is not, uh, I mean, I know it's a very, if you're like into uh, numerology or anything like, spooky like that nine is like a very important number um we don't go that deep but i think that one thing we always laugh about is i always want more songs on a record but we have longer songs and obviously to sit through any more than that for us could be taxing to the average listener but uh one rule we stick by is like those early metallica records like puppets or lightning always at eight or nine songs you know what i mean they get in they get out and I guess you always want to leave people wanting more than thinking it's too much. So that's probably where the nine sits. I have uh, not quite a numerology numerology fascination with the number nine, but it's just been one of those things I've noticed my whole life. So like it immediately jumped out at me. I'm like, oh, nine dots, nine song, nine. And now, yeah. and now I'm a, I've never actually seen the number 23. Is he a serial killer? Is that what happens now? I, I feel like I, I should follow I, suit, right? I saw that years and years and years ago, and I don't I don't remember any parts of the story, honestly. I love Jim Carrey though, so I'll have to rewatch it. Have you seen his? Uh, is that the one where he where he writes all over himself, or is that? I believe a different so. one. I think yeah. that's like one of his handful of movies I've not seen. Like I've not seen that. I've not seen The Majestic, and that might be it off the top of my head. I don't think I've seen that one either. But yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing super spooky with the number nine, but I guess it does. Uh, it lends itself definitely to the aesthetic uh, because uh, if you turn over the artwork, it will have nine corresponding um, letters and they'll all be letters of the song it starts with. So something something nice to look at. I'm looking forward to seeing a vinyl physically. I need to get on that pre-order then so I can stare at this artwork and yeah. connect dots and stuff. <laughs> um, coming back to uh, when you were playing the Stargazer uh, EP in its entirety, you don't play on that actual recording, do you? Yes, I do. Oh, you do. I got some yes. incorrect information from the internet. Disregard. Yeah, it, we were we were in a hotel room at the end of the last tour, and uh, none of us besides Matt knew we had a Wikipedia, <laughs> and so we looked at it, and it was we had a good laugh for ourselves, but that was good. Yeah, that's where I pulled that from. All right, cool. Moving on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then the internet also kind of pointed this out, and sorry if it's a sore subject, but what happened with, with Mike? Because I'm counting four people in your uh, press photos recently, and everywhere still listed you as a five-piece. That is true. Uh, I suppose I haven't caught up yet. Not to d distract real quick, can you hear me all right? I'm using AirPods for the first time, and I just want to make sure that I, I'm not coming in all garbled or whatever. No, uh, you, you sound much clearer than most of my interviews, actually. <laughs> oh, perfect. Great. Um, yeah, so we wrote and recorded the album as a five-piece, and probably that's where everyone's getting it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mike had a lot of opportunity to do a lot of video stuff, um, which he's phenomenal at. Um, and I think that it just came time for 
the band to carry on and for Mike to go do that. I love Mike. He's my best friend. Um, he's he was just on tour with Intervals and the Contortionist, and he is getting nonstop tour offers now, and he's killing it in the video game. So, um, so he's off doing that, and we're getting back in the van. Good for him. Video's fun. I used to vidi- edit video a lot in college, and yeah, get one enjoying audio stuff more. So here I am podcasting. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think that was something that came in later in life for him, and he's always been searching for something that would really click for him. And I think when he started developing content and editing it, it's something really ignited in him. And he was telling me the other day, he's like, I've never felt like. I was supposed to do something more in my life than this. And that made me super overjoyed because some people live their whole life and never find that. So do you feel like you found that with uh, touring and being in the band lifestyle and stuff? Since the day that I decided to play guitar, I felt that very good. That was some of Up and Adam by Asteroid from the previous album, Air. I'll have more with Casey from Asteroid in a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Howard Jones from Light the Torch discusses his heavy origins. Uh, first time you felt like, yeah, I'm cool, I'm in a band. I don't know if I ever felt cool about being in a band. Do you feel cool now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I look in the mirror. There's nothing cool going on there. I got tattoos. Uh, tattoos are seen by, <laughs> by people's cool. It didn't help. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> like, look at that uncool dude with a bunch of tattoos. I'm that guy. It's fine. <laughs> uh, clown. And it, it's just what I am. Um, uh, wow, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't, we, we had a name. Of, what were we? In Ohio release or something like that? I don't know. It was bad. Everything was bad. <laughs> if, you, if you're in a band and it's your first band, you're bad. Just, the, you have Ohio to scene? come to terms with it. Your first band will be bad. It's just the nature of the beast. So you couldn't listen to it now without cringing. Were there any recordings? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there was. Yeah, there were some old demos and stuff like that around. Poor me. Poor me.
Light the Torch just announced a co-headline tour with Mark Morton from Lamb of God. For dates and more on Light the Torch, head to facebook.com slash lightthetorchofficial. Now here's some of Lost from Asteroid's self-titled album before I wrap my conversation with Casey. mentioned earlier that air had a lot of black metal <clears throat> elements to it what is your general feeling towards that genre as a whole i mean we all we all love black metal uh for sure um have been in various black metal projects for a long time uh, i think we had we would definitely hesitate to call ourselves black metal in any way uh because you know bands that are actually waving the flag for black metal it's a lot it seems like it's a lot more than just a musical styling and it almost seems like by you know trying to get a little piece of that that we'd be doing a disservice to that and ourselves um but there's no doubt that we take influence from it um so yeah do you, if that uh, answered your question have you ever had any pushback <laughs> from og black metal people because you do like kind of have those elements to your sound um well the internet has a fascinating way of <clears throat> having opinions of that kind of nature uh but it's i don't think we've ever tried to put ourselves in that world so i don't think we've been subject to the criticisms that come along with that kind of stuff um definitely not as much as is my previous band vatnet viscar had where you know you were definitely trying to do that uh, American black metal thing and the amount of to the article of clothing you were wearing in a picture was scrutinized so I definitely don't miss that and uh, I think that well it's kind of funny for astronaut because if you read things on the internet or you read certain comments it's almost like you'll have the person saying something about us that's not super flattering and then you'll have free comments of people defending us which I feel is like it's awesome. It's like we have our own little secret army, which is great. Um, but yeah, people, our, how we sound and where we get our influences is a major topic of deliberation for the internet uh, and uh, can be quite amusing at some times. So where I have no, I won't deny that. I mean, blast beats and tremolo picking, that's not just what black metal is. It certainly incorporates those elements, but you know, you, there's so many bands that do that. I mean, like Mastodon, Converge, bands that are definitely not black metal all use these, um, you know, style of playing to further a part of a song. So I don't necessarily think it's just those elements that, you know, categorize something as black metal. But yeah, but yeah. We, all, we all love black metal, so. You, you actually touched on my next question, which is about uh, this shift in sound for Vatnet Viscar to Vatnet. And, uh, oh, yeah. 
So how was, how was that? <laughs> Cause I, <laughs> I, I, I also write for metal injection and sometimes, oh, our, right on. sometimes our comment sections are vile and our readers are bad sometimes. And, uh, you know, changes, <laughs> I think it, changes in sound just, are scary. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not scared of them obviously. Cause I had to face that record head on for sure. <laughs> as, as someone who was, um, thrust into the quote unquote spotlight for that one. But so we came home from, I think it was, uh, I don't even remember what our last tour was, but, uh, Nick, the vocalist and guitarist kind of let us know that he wasn't feeling it anymore. Uh, and it was funny, I was actually talking to the drummer the other day and how I'm really proud of the record we made. Um, but I wonder that if that night Viscar had just taken a break, you know, cause we went pretty hard for a lot of years and what that could have manifested like, but we, you know, we had already signed a record deal. So we were already committed to writing and releasing a record and we already knew we wanted to take the sound in a different direction. Um, so yeah, I think we executed on our vision and I didn't really, it's funny now because I feel like a lot of people come up to me and say, Oh, I really loved that. And I think Asteroid has definitely helped that because through finding Asteroid, they could find Vatnet and that would make more sense to a listener that would like Asteroid. But um, in terms of what someone that liked Black or Vatnet Viscar a lot would like the Vatnet, again, self-titled record, which is funny that I just thought about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not super plugged into it, so I haven't heard a lot of stuff, but I'm sure if you did any amount of digging on the internet, there are some uh what i would assume to be pretty unflattering takes of the record but that's all right we made the record we wanted to make uh are you familiar with the encyclopedia metallum or the metal archives website uh vaguely it's is that it's like is it just like an html page that has like (laughs) yes is that what it is yeah it's It's just like like it's a black and red vampire looking website yep that's the one uh have you have you been on the asteroid page Oh no! Is there something I should be aware of? Well, no, no. I don't know if it's bad per se, but they have a section that says lyrical content, and it, it, oh yeah. So for the lyrical content of Asteroid, it simply says outer space. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So, so that so that's not accurate. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's funny. Like for a lot of bands, uh, it'll list a few different things. Like it'll be like life, dystopias, <laughs> fall of societies. Oh, so nature. It's, so it's a, it's a one word snap on what you can expect. I mean, we talk, it's not like we're talking about supermassive black holes or the Andromeda galaxy or anything like that. I mean, I know Brett sings about, you know, stars and sun a lot, but no, I wouldn't necessarily say they're focused on outer space. In fact, I'd kind of say they're much more about life and people and philosophies and observations rather than simple outer space. That's funny. That's good to know. Yeah, like sometimes it'll list for bands five or six different things, but I thought it was really fun to me that yours just had outer space. And now I'm, well, I can, I'm curious I about Vatnet. I'm going to look at Vatnet. Oh, God. If I, had to, if I had to guess, and I've never seen Vatnet either, well, if it's Vatnet Viscar, I, I hope it just says nihilism. Okay, so it, it puts it all on one page and does mention the fu- the former name, but for lyrical themes, it says Sky, comma, Nature. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's perfect. All right. Definitely. That's funny. 
Uh, now I'm gonna have to. Now I'm gonna have to scope that page. Oh yeah. I can only imagine that they that page was started around the the Stargazer era. So I'm sure that they saw the word Stargazer and wrote out her face. Uh, you have your own page on there, which uh, leads to my next question. Uh, because I have to ask you, based on name alone, what is or was Hetfield and Hetfield? <laughs> uh, wait, that, there's a page for Hetfield and Hetfield? Uh, it mentions that as a project of yours, and then through that I found the band camp. I've yet to listen to it, though. All right, so Hetfield and Hetfield started uh, when I was eight, uh, 17 or 18, and I was living out side of Seattle uh, after high school I had moved there uh, and Brett and I were talking long distance and it the band kind of started as a joke because I told him that I was going to look into getting a Gibson Explorer um, and we're huge fans of Metallica and I was like yeah dude I'm going to be Hetfield and he's like no I'm going to get an Explorer I'm going to be Hetfield and <laughs> so we just we were going to start a, another band anyway so we just decided to name it Hetfield and Hetfield, uh, which obviously was great business marketing. Um, the ironic thing is that I never got an Explorer, and Brett has an Explorer and a Flying V. So I think he ended up becoming Hetfield. But that, that was our band. We started when we were 18, did it to like 22, 23, and it was um, – it's, it's a pretty like technical – because he, he's a drummer by nature. So we would start out writing songs, and I would just – write hard guitar parts and he put hard drum parts to it and we tried to make it um melodic and and like songs so yeah check it out it's interesting <laughs> all right i'll check that out and i also have bookmarked but also have not listened to your uh, solo band camp how is your solo stuff going solo stuff i have solo stuff yeah it oh lo- don't listen to it Ooh, you're getting phones can... right now now i got to no, 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 no! You don't want to listen to that. Um, <laughs> that was right now. a no, no, no. There's no need to. Oh. And I thought I took that page down. Typing in band. And, so there it is. <laughs> it's 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 literally like uh, I love Pinback and Rob Crow and stuff like that. And I think it's fascinating when you can do like stripped down, not a acu- well, kind of like acoustic slash. It, it's got a lot of feelings. I wouldn't I wouldn't listen to it. Um, just. Are you are you okay? Cool Should I cut this? Are you fine? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't think you could still dig that up. Yeah, you definitely took me by surprise there. Um, that's all right. I'm not ashamed of it. Everyone has their own things. You know, you could go back to the beginnings of everyone and find something that they'd be ashamed of. That's fine. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's more guitar, but like stripped down stuff. You know, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I couldn't play you one of those songs right now if you had a gun to my head. So. That's cool, though, that you found that. Well, if you do want to pull it down, Honest Engine is still up uh, as of this recording. And the picture is you in a Morrissey shirt with hair all over your face. Yes. Nice. That is right. That is right. Yep. Uh, Yeah. They list that on the Metallum thing. They don't actually link to it. But, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Thank God. The internet. (laughs) That's cool. Nothing ever dies. It's funny because it's like... uh, I'm working on some stuff this year that I'm that like I because everyone just always has songs laying around or I'm like oh where am I gonna put these and I for some reason thought I was like wait solo thing what are you talking about I was like oh no oh that's funny that's good <laughs> well uh, on something you mentioned Rob Crow is amazing like I love just about everything he's done and I think my favorite everything Mike, Goblin Cock's fantastic <laughs> Goblin Cock's awesome there's a very unknown to this generation 
record called To the Innocent, and the band's name is Thingy, and Mark uh, Trombino, who did, uh, like, Jimmy Eat World and all those bands, he recorded this, and it's, like, mid-'90s. If you're looking for an executed, like, it sounds like indie rock, but it's really technical, but it's, like, it's Rob Crow. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's, like, I can definitely tell he loves Drive Like Jehu and bands like that. I'm just a Rob Crow fanboy through and through. <clears throat> Yeah, he's he's great. Actually, on like Facebook has this on this day thing. I saw Pinback here in the greater Sacramento area maybe five six years ago, and hadn't seen anything like it before or since. Were you a fan before? Uh, I was actually going for the opening band. <laughs> They're called Judgment Day. They were a Bay Area nice. cello metal band. Cool. And uh, they did some songs with them at the beginning, but I stuck around and their bass player is um, unbelievable. Oh, it's unbel- I took Brett for his birthday last year to go see their. Autumn of the Seraph anniversary show. I took him, his fiance, and my girlfriend all out to see him. Yeah, it was phenomenal. That's like, I feel like that's a band that maybe they're not the biggest band in the world, but I feel like they've influenced so many friggin' bands. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I get stars in my eyes when I think about Rob Crow because it's just like, he's so creative and he's so prolific. And it's just like, he has his own sound. And that's like, you can't, a lot of people can't say that. You can't just put something on and be like, that's this band. Very few bands have that, and Rob Crow has that in spades, so love it. The closest I can think that comes to that might be Doug Marsh of Built to Spill. He's not as prolific, <clears throat> but he definitely has like a Doug Marsh sound. It's funny that you say that, because we were listening to some indie rock radio station the other day, and I have listened to maybe one Built to Spill song in my life, and just out of process of deduction, I was like to my girlfriend, I was like, is this Built to Spill? She's like, yes. I go, there you go. I listen to one song and I can identify them. <laughs> yeah, I uh, saw them at a festival not knowing at all who they were, and now I've seen them like six times and it's become a problem. Yeah. Uh, so That's co- awesome. So coming back to Asteroid and kind of wrapping things up, you're about to head on tour with Tesseract again and, and uh, Between the Barry and Me. And uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sad y'all aren't coming near me, but uh, what do you have in store for this tour that uh, I'm assuming new material, of course, but anything else sort of fun? <laughs> yeah, um... Well, the record will be out, which will be very, very exciting. Uh, if to anyone that's seen us, you know, we will be pay- playing um, a new song, Heavy Set. Of course, we'll be playing some old stuff, too. Uh, towards the end of the last tour, we were like, we're not playing anything old. And then we were talked off that ledge by various people, um, which I think is a smart thing. But, you know, you're always eager to go out. Um, I'm very excited for this. Tesseract, you know, this will be our third time touring with them. And they've become friends of ours and they're absolutely amazing humans um you know james is doing press for us in the, in europe so uh you know we've created quite a bond with those guys and they're one of the best if not the best live band i've ever seen sonder what a record uh between the bear to me we've been long fans of them you know ever since we were growing up to be you know more adventurous and free music listeners they were instrumental in that so yeah i have high expectations for the tour reasonable expectations and i'm psyched to get out and play new stuff um a lot of it's funny every time you announce a tour i realize like how little people understand what goes into touring and of course we were like why isn't this coming to boston why isn't it coming blah 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 it's like we, this tour besides us being on it had nothing to do with us and even between the bird and me i stopped being like hey there's will eventually hit your city it's fine you know and i think it's always funny how that works but um yeah it's a kind of a i don't, I don't want to say a b market tour but it's not like the it's not definitely not an a market tour which i'm excited about because you want to 
hit those markets with you know bigger bands so you can play to new people which i'm really excited about i don't know what to expect what what, what, what should i expect oh uh i don't know uh maybe like from a bt bam crowd or or just like from fresno <laughs> from fresno uh i have been told by my wife to not go to fresno uh you cannot mm. you cannot comment on that for the sake of fresno fans but uh yeah uh like I totally understand where Between the Barriers coming from, playing these shows and doing this kind of tour, because I've seen them in Sacramento many times, and for them to play Fresno, I was like, oh, that's great for Fresno. Uh, but what about me? But you know, that's well, just... so what's the that California? It's funny. Now I used to hate L.A. when we used to go, just because I there's something about the city. It's it's it took me like six or seven times going there to really not under, only understand my bearings, but kind of grasp the culture you know and i always love california but now there's nowhere in california i really don't like but the one thing that i still am hung up on is you know i had a couple of friends that live in san diego and they're like oh we're gonna drive up to the san fran show like yeah definitely i'll ride with you and then it was eight hours and we were like speeding you know to get to the gig and uh so how far is fresno from say like uh like sacramento or or the bay area uh, from Sacramento, it's about four hours. I was debating. Okay. I was debating between Reno and Fresno, and uh, I'm scared of driving in the snow. So for a February show, Reno's probably not going to happen for me. But uh, I was like, oh, what about Fresno? And I did some some uh, Google Mapsing. It was about four hours, mm-hmm. and it's like, if it was a direct shot, it'd probably be about two. But the way you got to route around, it becomes a, yeah. a whole different thing. Interesting. So that see everything is so far away. Well, if you uh, are feeling adventurous and want to come out, I'd love to have you. So keep that in mind. I, I, I might pay for a ticket if you want to come out. Oh, I like that. I'll hold on to your number and uh, I know you down the down the road probably. Please, yeah, absolutely. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. I I, I love the new record. I'm looking forward to the release and eventually well, seeing you guys. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. So uh, we're excited too, man. So on to something new. I bet we've been we're all so excited to have something new to play. So. I hope people like it. I th- I think they will. I think it's a, a really well-executed, diverse offering, and uh should be a good time. Well, thank you so much for saying so. And thank you for being on today. Uh, you have a good rest yeah. of your uh, afternoon. I'm not sure what you got going, but uh, hopefully oh, it goes we're, well. Oh, we're, snow- we're snowed in right now. So. Oh, okay. Cool. So me be saying I'm scared of driving in snow in Reno, you think that's just adorable because you probably have to go like get groceries. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it is, it's no problem. Again, NorCal, we don't get snow here. Yeah, it's true. All right, you have a good one, sir. All right, thanks so much, man. Later. Have a good one. Astronoid by Astronoid will be released February 1st via Blood Music Records. For more on the band, head to facebook.com slash astronoidband and astronoidband.com. I'm ending this episode with a recommendation from a band on the other end of the metal spectrum from Astronoid. 
Endless Yawn are a rather new stoner metal band from Sacramento, California. They describe themselves as doomed sludge from the city of trees, which is a perfect tagline for this band. From their album Speed Kills, here is Daisy Cutter in its entirety.
For more on Endless Yawn, including the full album Speed Kills, you may head to endlessyawn420.bandcamp.com. And for information on the band, facebook.com slash endlessyawn. As always, if you'd like to talk to me, you may do so by emailing farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at Ovacord. The show is at underscore farbeyondmetal. And it is, of course, facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. The theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.